Hi, I'm Janne Silden and welcome to part 2 of my technical hot seat together with Florian Blüsch, Head of Innovation and Business Development at Adesso Mobile Solutions. Today we continue our discussion and this one I can promise you is getting even more futuristic. Listen in and enjoy. I do spend quite a lot of time with ChatGPT4 because it does help me. You know, one of my big challenges is I have to compute a lot of information. I do have to read a lot, you know. Head of innovation this means I'm better up to date, right? This is my job, what's happening out there. And this requires so much reading. Another white paper, and then you do some, some deep dives, you know. I would read another 400 pages um, just to understand a certain technical detail or something. And also my day just has 24 hours after all. And this is something in which ChatGPT is a huge help just to condense this information. I don't read those white papers anymore. I just give it to ChatGPT say, well, please read this for me and then give me a 10-page executive summary. Make sure that you see these connections and try for context-wise, try to match this. This is very context. And that is something which then takes five minutes to do and then 30 minutes to process for me rather than um, wasting all day. And that is, that is powerful, definitely. Who's on the forefront in regards to AI? Is it Europe, United States or, or, or mm. China? I mean, currently all the, the big systems like OpenAI, which is um, ChatGPT, we have Google Bard, and all this is, this is American driven. But I think in, in the Asian market, talking about the Chinese, they also do things. You know, perhaps they don't do, do them in this um, very commercial context. So it's not that visible for us. As I said, um, from this commercial AI, um, I think the, the, the Americans are in the lead, definitely. But who knows what's under the hood um, on the Asian side of things as well. I just have to ask, because it's not popping up in my head, everyone is complaining about how poor Germany is in regards to... Mm. AI? Yeah, or, or digitalization or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Is that true? No. There's some things which are more difficult and slightly slower in Germany than even in the rest of Europe. But for example, we have, um, this is also a company we are, we are cooperating with, there's Aleph Alpha. They also have a large language model, right? But they are compliant because all the security issues, all the data security, privacy issues, which you still have with, um, with Google and with um, OpenAI, they have this under control because they were in this German legal system, they built their um, knowledge up. So there, there is also in Germany extremely smart, modern startups and companies doing really smart things. I think OpenAI just got a few billion dollars from Microsoft. Don't get me with the fingers, but a lot of money, yeah. right? In Germany, there's no way that um, you have to make a startup and get a billion euros or something. This is very, very unlikely. And the stupid thing about AI is the more money, the better. The more money, the more computing power, the better your models are, the better your product, product is. It's that simple. And the more money you pour into the development of large language models, for example, the better it gets. You just think about companies. Mm -hmm. Uh, who are adapting to this new technology. The one that has enough money, they are able to invest and they do so and then they get a bigger competitive advantage. I mean, if, if you were now able to invest into AI, I mean, there's two views on AI. There's this, this external product thing, right? So what can we do product-wise, mm -hmm. service-wise with AI technology? But also, if you look in your company, 
what processes you can optimize. You know, what's, what's in there for you as a company, that's the second aspect. And same thing there. If you're now able to invest money and spend some time and love with it, you can, I think, really um, get yourself a strong or stronger position in competition, definitely. If you take my part of the business, like more mechanical part, mm -hmm. what would be your recommendation? The funny thing is, this is, feels very physical, right? So there's a shop floor, and there's actually big machines, you know, and there's oil and, and, and things and so forth. And this is sort of now the, the step into this a bit of metaverse, but also this digital twin thing. Yeah, right? I like that. Because um, if, um, if you manage to, to really to get this, this digital twin going of your physical machinery, this gives you access to a completely new dimension of data, which then gives you the opportunity to, again, optimize things, predictive maintenance, you know, a digital twin can tell you when this very part will break in your machine. And you better get it fixed in time before it really breaks and, uh, you know, you have a, a, big, a big catastrophe there. So this is two, two dimensions. You need to generate data. The AI needs data. The more, the better. Same with the money. So you need a digital twin and a lot of IoT. This is where all these fields really join together, right? IoT is also means you have sensors. You know how warm your gearbox is. You know how much tension on a certain valve is. You know what the temperature. This is what you need IoT for. And on, based on these data, you will sooner or later have a digital twin of that very machine, which acts exactly as the real machine does. And you can play around with it. I mean, talking about training, you mentioned that as well. This is also digital twins. Talking about power plants, for example. We just did a very, very complex um, safety training for um, workers in power plants. A power plant is a very unhealthy place to be at. I mean, there is steam, there is electricity, there is high temperatures, there is pressure, and so on and so forth. And there is some scenarios you just can't practice in reality because you would be dead. The next element is this is this VR thing. We are using VR for that to make this immersive learning possible because filling in a multiple choice test saying, well, should I open that valve, yes or no? Or you try it out and you open it, and there's a huge bang around you. As I said, in reality, you would be dead. In VR, I shock you. Yeah. And this is this immersive, the power of immersive learning. And also that is, again, um, AI can play a role, right? Setting up real-time scenarios, doing training, which is not a predefined path, doing like having a digital twin of a, of a power plant, right? and simulate malfunctions based on AI. And then get teams in the VR together, let them interact in the three-dimensional space and take care of the problem. I mean, this is the best learning and training experience you can, can imagine. Yes, because the best learning is learning by doing mistakes. Exactly. And there is room for mistakes in that kind of setting. Exactly. You mentioned Metaverse. Let's yeah. go into Metaverse. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> can you give a short intro and definition yeah. on that one? That's, that's an interesting one because there's so, so many different aspects about the Metaverse. The easiest and best way to think about this, think of it as the next logical step in the evolution of the Internet. The Internet, which is now, whatever, 25 years old for most of us, or a bit, bit older in general, um, I mean, we wouldn't have imagined 25 years ago what we do with the Internet today. Or it's something like streaming, or we have Netflix. I mean, this was unthinkable um, in 1995. 
So it's a very similar thing. So imagine our internet, all the services, the, the interaction, the communication, and transport this into like a, a more three-dimensional world. And also free the internet and the data in the internet and the service in the internet from living in a browser or even living on a smartphone. And this is what the metaverse is, is, is about. I mean, it does connect our physical and digital life seamlessly and will then open up new ways for us to interact with other humans and systems. So this is, this is the metaverse. The difficult bit is now. This is also very market-driven. So we have Mark Zuckerberg, um, our friend from Facebook, now mm -hmm. Meta, right? And he has a very clear business idea which is already we've learned from Facebook. This means that he wants us to spend as much time on his systems so that he can learn from us and play appropriate advertising for us. To cut a very long story short, this is the business idea of, of Facebook. This means he wants us on his service. And that's the reason why Mark Zuckerberg says, well, the metaverse is, oh, you can sit about this virtual campfire with all your friends and they are <laughs> spread all over the world. And you can see your parents and you don't need to have to travel anymore. And so forth. Yes, because the more time we sit at this campfire in his system, right, the better it is for him. More data. More data. Mm -hmm. If you look and, and now back to the, to the industrial metaverse, which is much more interesting for my taste and also much more important, it's still a nice thought to have this virtual campfire. Imagine people with handicaps, disabilities, which are not mobile anymore, right? For them, this is an extremely important opportunity to still be part of a social life, see people, or perhaps even visit Venice in a virtual setup. There's nothing wrong with the virtual campfire, but it's only one aspect. Talking about the industrial metaverse, and we already discussed the digital twins. And this happened. I think it was Porsche, one German car manufacturer. They built a new factory for a new model, and what they did is they built the entire shop floor for that very factory, in the metaverse first. So before there was one screw touch, one piece of metal bent, they had a functioning digital twin of their shop floor, which is cool because they, of course, they noticed some issues that, well, you know, this, is, you know, this doesn't work, we need to change this and so on, but all still being in the digital world without even having built a physical factory there. Yeah, you can really optimize the processes on the shop floor. Yeah. I'm sure that I saved a lot of time. Talk of money, the quality gets better. And also talking about in interaction and of people collaborating. In that virtual factory, no matter where in the world you are, where the talent is that you need for this very topic, it's just in there and you can work there as it would be a physical factory. It's great for training, yeah, because you can test out different jobs yeah. to train the people doing it. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, but that's uh, really the, the training thing is a really, really important aspect. Because, you know, I mean, the, the hunt for talent. I mean, we are all, yeah. especially in the, uh, all the high-tech industries, like our industry here, or even car manufacturing, wherever you need qualified workers, qualified talent, this is getting worse and worse. And this will, especially in Germany, will get worse for the next 20 or 30 years. So this means we will have the, um, the challenge of training, and you mentioned it before, how can we train people to function on the job as efficiently as possible, with as little risk as possible? You have something called a Decimobile Holodeck. Ah, our Holodeck, yeah. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably, I'm sure you have watched Star Trek, right? Yes. Uh, in this case, it's even the, the holodeck is on the good old enterprises. Oh, yes, know, so. yes. 
And the holodeck there is, is um, a, a simulated three-dimensional space, which is a bit more tech than ours, but it's a very similar idea. So our holodeck is a virtual conference center. How you would imagine it? You have a lobby. You meet people there. Up to 100 people can meet there. You have an auditorium. You can be a speaker. Um, you have breakout rooms where you can gather and discuss things. And this all happens in a simulated um, three-dimensional environment. And the cool thing is, I mentioned the digital twins, what we can do there, for example, if you want to discuss your new product or something, or invite a few clients, we have the opportunity to put in real three-dimensional things in there to showcase them um, or even work on them. I guess you have your own avatar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just, you know, if you use Snapchat or also WhatsApp, you can make your own avatar and sure. it look like whatever. Yeah. Um, I guess you use it here in Adesso, don't you? Mm -hmm. So, does the avatars look like the real people or like gaming figures? I mean, you, you, we are not there yet. To have a really a, a realistic avatar of yourself, which is somehow convincing, which can move around, interact with other people, has gestures and so forth, this is possible, but with the headsets we are currently using, there's very strong technical limitations, right? Because, unfortunately, the power of those VR headsets is extremely limited. And then you have polygons. The more polygons you can use and calculate in real time, the more realistic the image is. But also, the more power you need, the slower things get. So what you see in, out there in the wild, and that's why usually the, the avatars look more like comic representations than real human beings, it's due to the lack of computing power for really high-resolution avatar. So when do you think the technology is there? Let's wait for Apple Vision Pro. Okay, so you... Yeah? Yeah, so, end of next um, year. We are, we are getting closer and closer. So I, what I do not expect from Apple Vision Pro is that you have a photorealistic avatar, which is not recognizable as artificial anymore. This will not be the case also not with this generation of Apple Vision Pro. But as I said, the, the overall visual quality of that very headset is so superior to the other things on the market that we're getting closer and closer. I would expect in 10 years from now, I can imagine us being in situations wearing smaller headsets and like the situation we have here, and that you cannot really tell if this, this is a real Yane or a virtual Yane. Hmm. If the goal is that you have an avatar, which you still see as an avatar, but um, is able to build up an emotional relationship, right? Which means um, gestures, whatever your face does and your eyes do and so on and so forth. We are pretty close there. Um, I've seen, unfortunately, just uh, the videos from the Apple Vision Pro and their avatars. They're nice already, right? Mm. And they're also they're much more touchable as all other avatars I've seen up to now. One question I have is, all this technology we have touched upon, a lot of it, it's a big companies, but you also mentioned startups and foundings and this. Are there room for startups in this environment or is it really hard? How is that development? Because my impression is that, like also Adesso is consisting of a lot of smaller companies sure. put together. Uh, is that the future? Is it one big company or is it more a corporation? 
is popping up or will be developed mm. through mm. this new technology? I think it's, it's this cooperation model is our future. Because what you notice, I mean, and this even happened in Silicon Valley's when this, this one Silicon Valley bank went bust like a few months ago, whatever, 60% of all startup funding just imploded in, in the States, right? They see how difficult and how risky this startup business is because you're dependent from so other from circumstances you cannot really control. Then again, to set up AI startup today in Germany, as we say in German, so the more money you pour into that, the better your AI product will be, right? Hmm. And so in, in Germany, I think it's pretty much impossible to find funding to build the next large language model because this will cost billions of dollars. And so that's why the cooperation aspect is so important. Of course, um, I think we, we all need this creativity of, of startups. Startups have the big advantage of not being stuck in their old processes, stuck in their old business models, right? They can just start from scratch, greenfield approach, and just you do science fiction. So is it the kind of a mindset too that needs to be changed <laughs> a bit here? That's, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, we, we just didn't grow up in the, in the culture of venture capital, right? No. In the States, I mean, um, you wouldn't really ask for the government to help all the time. You, you just help yourself and mm. you do it in a capitalistic system. And that's the reason why there is venture capitals. And you, need, you know how many, many billions in venture capital are, are still spent even after this, this Silicon Valley crash, right? Mm. So in Germany, if there's a big incubator, and then they would be really proud of, oh, we have whatever, 50 million euros as venture capital. And that is so, so little money compared to that what the, the big venture capital does globally. That's still, I mean, 50 million is 50 million, so don't get me wrong. But as I said, compared to a, a few billions which you invest into, invest into one startup for one technology, you see that there is a sort of, it's not balanced at all, right? But it's culture around it, so it's really hard, huh? It's, it's hard, yeah. Mm. And that's why, I mean, um, also many talented German and European people go to the States. If they want to really, you know, get their startup on the road, they would not necessarily do it in Berlin or in Hamburg or in Kiel. Now I want to go to a bit more philosophy. I guess. Okay, um, let's give it a try. <laughs> how does the world look like in five, ten, or twenty years? I don't know how far you you, you dare to kind of do a prediction. Yeah. We already discussed ten years, so we will have <laughs> realistic avatars in ten years from now. Yeah. But on on a philo philosophical level, I think really that this this merge of physical three dimensional world and a digital representation of it, what we call reality now, will not be our reality in 10, 15, or what is it, 20, 30 years? Yeah, you can go, as I, I wouldn't say more than, you know, 20 yeah, years. I, I think, think it's every, really hard. Everything beyond 10 years would be very, very dangerous. So my personal vision is that we will be in a space which is a mixture of physical things, of digital services around us, digital assistance, software that solves all sorts of tasks which you hate wasting time with, you know, mm. starting with whatever, organizing your traveling, if, if you do physical traveling. And also our digital identity in the digital world will be much more accessible. It will be just right there. So currently, what, if I want to get in touch with my digital world, I would pick up my smartphone, start an app and do something. 
or perhaps say hello Siri. I'm always afraid of calling her. No, she didn't hear us. So calling any voice assistant um, <laughs> and interact. And I think this will be so much more organic to interact with all sorts of digital information, digital services that is just there. And this will also be a, a vital part of that what we call reality. Because now we tend to reduce reality to things we can touch, right? So this is in 3D and this is a room around us. There's two people sitting in one room, some technology on the table, but still, you know, so this, this is reality. But still imagine that um, with various layers of, of digital services and information in an organic, very human way to access it. Do you think the, the work life uh, overall will be more fun? I think that technology and AI will get rid of loads of stupid repetitive tasks, which we all hate to do. Talking about use of AI in developing software, I mean, this is something which we also have to, to consider, right? It's basic things which every single app, every single web app, whatever, needs. So there is talented programmers who have done this very thing 200 times in their lives. This is something which can be done in an appropriate quality by AI in the future, which frees their time to do what they can do best as humans, which is not doing repetitive tasks. This is what we have machines for, physical or digital, right? They can be creative, come up with ideas, find new connections, um, assemble things in a new way and get something new. That is also my, my big hope, that a lot of those stupid tasks, which does waste a lot of human creativity, human energy, human focus, will be taken care of by machines in the future. You touched upon a lot of challenges, opportunities, mm -hmm. a lot of what's going on technical-wise. So what do you see as the biggest challenge in the market today? Mm -hmm. This is also a bit meta, because um, not, not in the Facebook sense meta, but on a, on a meta level, there is some basic challenges which interact with all our business fields and a lot of, um, not just IT. So I think the most important aspect is cybersecurity. So for the next years to come, I think the main challenge is to harden and to protect all digital systems from all sorts of abuse. Yeah. Um, back to you. Back to me. Yes, Florian. <laughs> <laughs> My last question. What is success to you? Huh. What is success? It's also a very good question. Um, there's one, one personal aspect of mine which, thank God, goes together well with my professional duties. <laughs> because what's really important for me is that I learned something during that. So, and this can be a small thing, you know. This, that I gained a new insight, that I understood a new context, that I learned a new English word or a new Swedish word or whatsoever, a small thing. And this is a personal success for me if I can really go to bed at night and say, well, yes, I'm a bit different from yesterday and I'm a bit better than yesterday and I learned something. But on a, on a more professional level, what I really enjoy, what's really a true feeling of success is if there's any ideas, a new app, a new technology, new ideas, which has been in theory and we thought about it, we programmed it, we thought about it and so on. And now it's, it gets launched, it's out there, you know, and it does generate some value in the street for the user of that very thing. And that feels really, really good. And I think that's true success, something which started in a theoretical realm, now is in the hands of the user and does something then. Thanks. Thanks You're a lot, Florian. It was great talking to you. If you liked it, please subscribe as I will continue to talk to various experts across industries and country borders.